Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey everyone, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today I'm pleased to have Sophronia Scott back on the podcast. Sophronia is a longtime Chicken Soup for the Soul contributor and a longtime successful author of articles and books. She grew up in Lorraine, Ohio, which is a hometown she shares with author Toni Morrison. Her father was a Mississippi-born steelworker who never learned how to read, and her mother was a stay-at-home mom who always made sure there were books in the house. Sophronia holds a BA in English from Harvard and an MFA in writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts. She spent a big chunk of her career as a writer and editor for Time and People magazines. When her first novel, All I Need to Get By, was published by St. Martin's Press in 2004, she was nominated for Best New Author at the African American Literary Awards and hailed by Professor Henry Louis Gates Jr. as, quote, potentially one of the best writers of her generation. Her essays, short stories, and articles have appeared in all kinds of prestigious magazines and newspapers. And her latest novel, which I loved, it's called Wild, Beautiful, and Free. It was picked to be one of the Amazon Prime first look books, which is a great honor. Sophronia also teaches writing, and she has helped many aspiring writers in MFA programs across the country, including the program she founded at Alma College in Michigan. Sophronia, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hello, Amy. It's nice to be chatting with you again. Yeah, I think we met more than 15 years ago, right when we were buying Chicken Soup for the Soul. So it's been a long time. Yes, a very long time. Well, I want to thank you so much for contributing to the 30th anniversary edition of the original Chicken Soup for the Soul book. I really tried to have people who I thought were important today added to that book. And I just thought you've really made your mark as an author. And I just thought you deserved a place in the book. So let's talk about the story that you wrote for the book, The Vulnerable Heart. How did you come upon this new definition of vulnerable, this new way of opening yourself to other people, even strangers? Well, Amy, I wouldn't call it a new definition of vulnerable, but more of a a realization of what vulnerability really is. And it just happened in a moment that, that I describe in the story where I just sensed my heart was open and that love was not a choice anymore. That it, that it could just happen. And if I allow it to happen, that it would. And that's a scary place to be because, you know, when you love, you also are capable of being hurt. And that occurred to me that 
there was something to that, that I have to be willing to, to be hurt and to just dive into that because the openness felt so wonderful in that moment. You said in your story that your son read a definition of vulnerable and it was a state of weakness open to attack. And I guess I've always thought that allowing yourself to be vulnerable is more a sign of strength. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it means that that you're not hovering, that you're not cowering, right? Yeah, you're taking a risk. You're you're brave enough to open your heart and take a risk. It's I always tell people when they're writing a chicken soup for the soul story that they have to be vulnerable as they're writing the story because they're opening up the raincoat, you know, like they're really yeah. opening it up wide and showing everybody, here's the person who's here. And there's a different energy when you're when you're running towards something versus running away from something. And when you get to that place of of being vulnerable and and just allowing yourself to to run through that fear, there's something exhilarating about it. And and I think it's it's worth it to to go there. Is it is it where you would actually find yourself like saying, everybody I see today, I'm just going to love. I'm just going to love humanity. So every person I see as I go about my day, I'm going to actually love them. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to love them anyway. Is it like that? To say that, it sounds silly, doesn't it? <laughs> Not but, really, because it sounds like a really good way to conduct your life. It sounds like a very comfortable place to be, actually, because you've stopped judging people. You're just openly accepting everybody and, and loving them for whatever humanity they have. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it, and I, I definitely felt this after I gave birth to my son, is that I felt like, and I still do, I feel like I can see the infant in everyone. Right, I can see what that person was like as a baby, and it's like that's somebody's child. Every person is somebody's child, and and worthy of of love. You know, that's the exact same thing I do when I see people. I'm like, you were born to somebody, and that person looked at you with such love, and you were the sweet, innocent little baby. Yeah, and I have to remember that that's still the person who's inside you. I have the exact same way of viewing people. Exactly. Right. And and I think a lot about compassion as well lately. And and I recently heard an interesting definition about passion in religious circles. You have passion as in passion of the Christ. But when you think about compassion, and you know, passion of the Christ, of course, was about Christ's suffering. But when you think about compassion, it means having passion with someone who is suffering. Right, so not to be annoyed because oh, why is that person behaving that way, but to to go to the place of thinking, you know, that person might be suffering, right? And and how do I stand with that person in this and and not judge them and 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 not come from a place of distraction, but to be present and be with that person, and that takes vulnerability as well. That's how I tell my husband to deal with drivers who he doesn't like on the road. Yeah. You know, when, when he complains about them, they're going too slow or they cut us off or they failed to signal or whatever. I, I make him go, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but because I say to him, you don't know. It could be a student yeah. driver. It could be somebody who's just having a bad day. It could be somebody yeah. who just made a mistake and is sitting in their car saying, oh, sorry. But of course, you can't hear them say it. Yeah, exactly. On another day, that could be you. Right, and you want somebody else to have compassion for you. Oh, totally. I've sat in my car and said sorry, and the other driver didn't hear me. <laughs> I like that. I was. I thought it was a great piece to put in our book and something unique. 
There's nothing else like that in the 30th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So thank you for giving us that story. We're going to take a quick break for an ad, and then we're going to be back. And I want to talk about your latest book, Wild, Beautiful, and Free. Okay. We're back with Sophronia Scott, and we're going to talk about her latest book, which is just an incredible book in so many ways. It's called Wild, Beautiful, and Free. I couldn't put it down following the story of Jeanette, the child of an enslaved woman and a plantation owner. And besides being a wonderful story about people, Sophronia, you taught me a lot about the Civil War and the state of the South during that time. What was your impetus for writing this book? Well, it was the the character to start with, right? I wanted to write a very powerful female character who was also a woman of color. And I wanted her to have the same sort of fiery independence that that I, I garnered from, from Jane Eyre. I'm, I'm a big fan of the book Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. And that character had a big influence on me when I was about 13, when I first read it. You know, that character had agency. She, she thought through her life in a certain way, even though she had no money, no place in the world. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be so inspiring for so many more women of now to have that character be a woman of color and to have her trying to make a way for herself in the world where she really has no place. So who is that character? Well, to me, that would be a mixed race young woman. And what would the time be? And it would definitely be in the United States in the South, you know, during the Civil War era, where there were such strict lines between your bloodlines and who you were and your, you know, whether you were black or white. And to be a mixed race person was really to to be nowhere, really, right? Wasn't black, wasn't white. And and usually you had the trope of of what they called the tragic mulatto, right? Usually the, um, these stories uh, in literature ended very badly for such a person. But I wanted this to be a story of empowerment. Yeah, I mean, what she went through, first starting off as the beloved daughter of her father and then being kicked out and basically sold into slavery Yes, by her, well, the bitter wife of her father. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was just mind-boggling what she went through. Yeah, she's not even allowed to speak. And you're right, she still had such agency. She, she was just always, she was always making the best of the situation. She didn't stop to feel sorry for herself. She just kept plugging along. It was incredible how strong she was. Yeah, and, and having to accept that a lot of that strength came from her father, right? Even though, you know, as she came to understand what slavery was and to start to wonder about the relationship between her birth mother and her father, because her mother dies in childbirth. She never knows her mother. So um, as she begins to, to question that relationship, she also has to learn to own the fact that, well, as, as horrible as this is, her father did love her, and she is a certain way because of that. So she has the choice. Is she going to accept that, or will she deny that? Will she act from love, or will she act out of resentment and self-pity? And she has others who, who mentor her along the way to help her make those choices. Yeah, and talk about how she escaped, the incredible, daring, successful escape that she made. Yeah, that's actually based on a, a true story because, and, and Amy, 
I was stuck for the longest time writing that book because the slavery sections were so painful and I was so not wanting to write a limiting story, like a story that had no aspect of empowerment whatsoever. And I found myself not wanting to even write the escape part because I just didn't want to write another story of someone running through the woods with dogs chasing them. I feel like that story's been done before. I didn't feel any energy behind it. And it wasn't until I was doing some research and, and reading this little book called Runaway Slaves that had the, the narratives of, of many slaves who, who ran away that I learned the story of William and Ellen Craft and the story of their escape and how she was light enough to, to pass for white. And so they dressed her up as a man and her husband pretended to be her slave. And when I read that, it just lit a fire in me. I was like, oh my gosh, that, that is so amazing. That's, that's the type of story I want to tell. I want to tell that story. And by coincidence, uh, just so you know, Amy, there is now a whole book about that couple, about the crafts. And it came out just a month before Wild, Beautiful, and Free. It's called Master, Slave, Husband, Wife. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, you'll, so you learn more about their background and, and their history. But, um, but yeah, I was so empowered by their story that I just knew that, okay, this is what's going to happen with Jeanette. This is how she's going to escape. Yeah, it was really brave. And they pulled it off. And then, of course, she was up in Ohio. Wasn't it Ohio where she ended up? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she ends up as a teacher in a community of freed slaves, of former slaves. And she's, you know, making her way in the world. And she ends up falling in love with the, the person who has created this, this uh, free community, someone who is um, a white man. And I'm not going to go beyond, I don't want to reveal too much of the book, but, but she uh, falls in love with this uh, man named Christian Colchester. You know, you managed to write a book that was filled with suspense and adventure and all this education about the Civil War and how the South was, and you still got to put in a romance. Thank you for doing that. That was really fun. <laughs> I'm a romance by tra a romantic by trade, and romantic not in terms of writing romance. I don't write romance books, but romantic in the way that that Bruce Springsteen is romantic. Right. That's even the lyric in his uh, song, No Surrender, you know, wide open country in our hearts, romantic dreams in our heads. Right. So I'm, I'm that kind of romantic. I believe in big love and, and how love affects us and what we do for love. So I, I did not see having such an, an, an adventure, a life story without this person experiencing big love. And she's also she's also her own kind of action hero, right? She she carries a gun from time to time, right? She, oh my God, she was I mean, <laughs> she was in the Civil War. She was I yeah. mean, it was incredible how they she then yeah. joined the war effort. Of course, on the she side of the nurse. North, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. that was incredible that she was like at the front lines. Yes, she was like a superhero. She really was. And I learned so much from reading those those Civil War scenes. I mean. I don't know. I hadn't really learned enough about the Civil War, I guess, in middle school and high school. And so you filled in a lot for me. The other thing that struck me, I didn't realize that people were as mobile, that they could get around as much then and, you know, travel from the South up to Ohio and back again, that kind of thing. Yeah. They were a lot more mobile than I thought they were. Yeah. It took longer, but yeah, people, I mean, how do you think these armies, right? The armies, um, 
moved from place to place. But these you know, were it, regular it, people. How about these the, were regular people. the slave from her old plantation who came all the way up to Ohio yeah, and then went Dorinda. back? Yeah, Dorinda. And then yeah, she went back. Made that journey. Made that journey. Yeah. And why did and, she and go if back? You think about, think about, think about um, Harriet Tubman. How many times did Harriet Tubman go back and forth between the North and the South? Yeah. <laughs> right? Rescuing slaves. Right. Right. Yeah. It just, I don't know why I had just thought, well, that was so long ago. People couldn't go anywhere. They never left their town. They never left their state, at least. And these yeah. people were all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like having a book on the Amazon I guess it's called first books or whatever. First reads, I, yeah, first reads. Yeah, if you're a Pride member, you get this the first of every month. I always look forward to it. And I think it was, was it February when you were on yeah, it? They, yeah, okay. they get it um, a month early because the yeah, publication so, so date is March 1st. Yeah, I was so excited. I'm like, I will definitely take Sophronia's book. <laughs> I was so excited to have it and be one of the first readers of it. But how did you get chosen for that? And then- what was it like? Like, what were the results that you got from having been in the first look program? Well, my editor uh, Daniel Marshall is is a big fan of the book. So, and I think you even see on the page that there's a quote from her about about why she found the book so moving. So, I think she was a big champion for it, and and she got it there. And first of all. It's amazing that I learned how many people are Prime members because I heard from people like you and 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 so many people. It's like, oh, I saw you in first reads. I'm like, oh, you you have Amazon Prime, okay. <laughs> so there's that, but also the book has so many more ratings and and reviews than I have ever had for a book. I think it's close to ten thousand ratings and reviews now on on my Amazon listing, and a lot of that um, came from people who who read the book. Um, and But that's just another thing that's amazing, Amy. Not just that people read the book, but that they felt inclined to comment on it, right? That was that was striking to me. So many people wanted to say something about this book. They could have easily have, have you know, 10,000 people download this book and, and not read it or not reviewed it, but they did both. And so I'm just hugely humbled and, and grateful for that. Whenever I whenever I love a book and it has five stars, I write the review. And if I don't love it, I don't write the review. I did write a review for, for your book, obviously, because I loved it. So my review is in there. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Among the ten thousand, <laughs> and I'm excited that people saw what I wanted them to see in the book. You know that that people wrote about hope and and that the book made them think about themselves in a different way. And and that's exciting to me because I. I, I want my writing to to do things like that, right? To to put something good in the world. Are you already working on your next book? Yes, it's kind of like a triangle. So you have three people, a, a man and two women, and it's set during World War II. But I'm I'm still working my way through it. But I, I kind of have a sense of it. Oh, good! I'll learn some more history from you. <laughs> keep that keep that going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My history teacher in high school had a big picture of. Richard Nixon up on the wall, a poster with Richard Nixon with an afro. And, oh my gosh. <laughs> and basically, we just spent a year talking about Richard Nixon and how much my teacher didn't like him. So I'm missing a lot of, of history. I'm missing like all of World War I and World War II. Uh, it was replaced by talking about this poster of Richard Nixon. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Amy, that 
I feel like the Civil War was the one war, like I learned some things about World War II, but I feel like the Civil War was one war that got covered really well when I was in school. So I'm I'm familiar with the battles, I'm familiar with you know the Gettysburg Address and the Emancipation Proclamation. And also there were things in the media that brought it to the fore, right? So I, I saw Roots when I was 11 years old. And some of that influence is, is in this book. The miniseries North and South, right? The one with Patrick Swayze, remember that? Um, yes, I saw I do. that saw that multiple times. So the, there were there are just aspects of of that time and that war that more than I even realized, Amy, that that are in me and, and influenced the writing of the book. So do you think you're gonna go to Amazon again? Or is it too early to talk about who your publisher might be? Well, that's up to them, right? I, I have to offer the book and we'll see if they take it. Yeah. Well, they sure did a great job for you the first time. They did. I was truly impressed. I I really loved my experience with them. So I, I hope we can continue this relationship. They've come a long way from when the worst books were the ones that were only, you know, only available from Amazon. And then all of a sudden they became a real publisher with great books and great authors. Yeah. Many of my friends, uh, author friends, like I feel like Amazon has been kind of cornering the market on certain female authors and they, they've, I don't want to say bought up, but but they have contracts and with um, some really great writers and they're putting really good books out there. And bookstores are carrying books that were published by Amazon. It's not like you can only get them through Amazon. You can get them at regular bookstores. That's true. And and they're beautiful books. You know, I, I love, especially the hardcover version of Wild, Beautiful, and Free. It's just stunning. So um, yeah, you, you want them on the shelves. Well, Sophronia, I'm so glad to get to talk to you about the book because I did love it. And I loved your story, The Vulnerable Heart. So thank you so much for giving us the story for our new updated version of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And thanks for a wonderful reading experience from Wild, Beautiful, and Free. I look forward to your next book. I think I've read all the books that you put out, by the way. Oh, thank you, Amy. Yeah. I consider you a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm a big fan. So thanks for joining us today. And for those listening, you can find Wild, Beautiful, and Free and Sophronia's other books on Amazon and at bookstores. And you can learn more about Sophronia at sophronia.com. And Sophronia is spelled S-O-P-H-F-R-O-N-I-A, Sophronia. So Sophronia, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure. I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening today. Please join me next time for a couple of stories that will inspire you to follow your dreams. From Chicken Soup for the Soul, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone.